Welcome to the Walking on Eggshells with Dr. Tolu podcast. This is the podcast that helps parents and especially those caring for a child with a chronic health condition to balance supporting your child's mental health with maintaining your own emotional health. In this episode, we will be discussing autism spectrum disorder in the classroom and strategies to manage these. So my guest is Mrs. Laura Alabi. I'm going to get her to introduce herself to us today. Hi, Mrs. Laura. Thank you for coming today. I'm so grateful that you took the time. Please tell us all about yourself, where you're based and what you do. Thank you, Ms. Um, Dr. Tolu. Good morning, everyone. My name is Laura Alabi, Mrs. Laura Alabi. I, the CEO, I am the CEO of Horizon Educational Consultancy and Services. We are based in Abuja. Um, we set up um, special needs units for schools, making the schools to become inclu- um, an inclusive setting. We work with children with special needs. We train teachers um, to be able to work with children with special needs. We Everything around school um, is what we, we deal with because apart from special needs, we are also able to set up schools um, in, in, in the mainstream. Thank you. Great. That is fantastic. So for, for those viewers who are not based in Nigeria, Abuja is in Nigeria. So, um, I mean, from what you said, I know you have a vast amount of experience in dealing with kids with special needs, particularly kids who have autism spectrum disorder. I'm just wondering, what are the challenges? What are some of the challenges that, ch- that children on the autism spectrum face in the school setting, you know, from your experience? Yeah, thank you. From my experience, a lot of the schools are not even aware that the children um, have one challenge or the other, um, because um, it, it, most of the time, the teachers are not even equipped to work with children with special needs. And so they are treating them like normal children. They want normal, I mean, typical children. They want them to sit down in the mainstream setting for a prolonged period of time. And um, early intervention is also something that people are not aware of in in our setting, in most of the schools care. So most of the time you just find out that the children are agitated um, because there's no knowledge around for anybody to even work with them. So the, the challenges will be so much on the children, on the children part, because nobody's well, a lot of the teachers are not even well equipped to work with them. So um, it, it's a whole lot here. And you, you find out that some children are already in primary five, primary six, before people get to know that really there's something when they're just about to enter the secondary school. Some children, maybe by the time they are looking at their milestones in early years, you also find out that um, there is one thing or the other. They try to patch as much as possible, and you just find out that the gap is always there, and the gap widens. So what we do most of the time is to now open the eyes of the school, do a lot of sensitization to the school, um, educate them in working with children with special needs. 
Okay, great. We'll come. We'll, we're still going to come to what you do because that is going to be a real big part of our of our talk today. So, from what I'm hearing you say, kids on the spectrum have challenges because they're under recognized. They may have learning gaps. They and for they may be agitated. Um, they may. I know that some of them may have sensory issues. So sometimes the mainstream classroom can just not be a very welcoming environment. You know where they're not understood, where their needs are not being met. That's that sounds like a very difficult situation. And you also mentioned that teachers may be unaware. But for those those teachers who are aware that um you know this child has a particular diagnosis, what kind of challenges would those teachers face in managing a child on the spectrum? What are the typical challenges? Okay, um, thank you. Um, you will find out that a teacher who has had maybe a success story with one particular child, wants to do the same thing with another child, not treating that autistic child, the second autistic child, as an individual. So it's like one heart fit for all. And mm. lack of resources is also a huge part of the work. They, they just want to do it traditionally, just sit the child on the table, make sure that he's just writing, he's, he's occupied most of the time. You know, and that that doesn't work well for a child with autism. You have to, from time to time, you have to have maybe you you withdraw them from the classroom. You 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 have a a, a program for them. You have a schedule for them that they, they actually will be able to to follow. So the challenges are much because the teachers are not well informed. That 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 would be the 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 way to put it. They are not well informed. And once they have worked with a child, they want to, to, to just carry out the same method with other children with um, on the spectrum. Okay. So for those teachers who then become informed, who might have some resources, what are some of the strategies that they can use? For example, to manage a child in a classroom who may be maybe nonverbal or have very little speech, for example, or who um, is quite active or agitated what are some of the strategies that teachers can use in the classroom to manage these children okay um there's the this um program pecs picture exchange communication system so mm -hmm. the first thing is that you let the child be familiar with every common thing around them by the use of pictures make use of visual cues so the child can, will be able to relate that picture to the object, to, to the particular thing. Even as, as common as the wall, you have to take the picture of the wall and let the child, you, you, you reinforce by letting the child know that this is the wall, the people that are familiar with the child. Then another thing you can also build is a, like a social story that you make sure that the child reads most of the time so that the, the child will build it up to just recognize things around them. So it's important that you make use of one particular um, communication system and you stick to it. If you are now trying to do so many at a time, it can be confusing on the child. And even with the pegs, you, you start with a number of, um, of the, picture, um, the picture cues that the child can use at a time. Okay. Wow. So you've mentioned you've mentioned PEG. You also, I mean, I hear about ABA. I hear about Teach. Can you tell us what those terms mean? Okay. With the with the PEGs, like like I said, it can be integrated into Teach. 
the, the teach will be um, the structural setting of the classroom itself, where the child will have its own workstation, where the child will know that, okay, this is what, um, this is my daily schedule, where the child will come in in the morning and become almost independent. So it follows through its daily schedule. He knows when it's time for them to go out and so on. With the ABA, it's all, you know, it's, it's it applied behavioral analysis. So that is the behavior, and the, you, you use a lot of reinforcement, a lot of reward system, just to get the particular behavior you're looking for in the child. So you can't just mix so many of these methods at the same time. You make sure that it's one, one particular program you are focusing on, and that program, you will make sure that you see results and before you just, you don't just try any any program with a child. And so when you have a child who, for example, maybe a bit, maybe aggressive, maybe they're going through a rough day and they're kicking, biting, how do you manage those kind of children in school? Okay, so when we come in into a school, we we do a, a, a the setting up of the special needs units where you have the classroom setting, we, where their, their um, workstations will be and the sensory units. So we take, we also have a sensory unit. It's a room that, that is padded with sensory lights, a lot of calming um, toys for them. So whenever we see a child is agitated, by the time you are working with a child, you will, you will already know the signs of their triggers. You will know sometimes a child can have their trigger when they are sitting down for so long. Maybe they come in in the morning, you can see that maybe the child had had a bad night. So you as the individual working with the child, you will be able to pick one or two signs. And for that, you can replan the child's program for that day. That child may be, um, you may take the child into the snoozling, which is the sensory room. As you know, for, for some time, you'll see that the child will unwind, the child will be able to, to calm down in the sensory unit. So it's very important that when you have a special needs um, setting in your school to make it an inclusive setting, every resources that a child requires is there because you can't just sit a child down in a corner and then there's nothing for them to even calm down when they have all this sensory um, processing disorder. Great. I like the fact that you mentioned, you know, um, analysis of the child's behavior when you hear, because I mean, parents or parents would bring a child to me and say, oh, they, they can't, school says we can't bring them to school any longer. They're having these outbursts. But nobody has tried to track what is the antecedent, what has triggered the behavior, what is the behavior, what happens after the behavior. So I think it's always important to remind, you know, parents, teachers to remember to go through that process. So I'm glad you mentioned that. So in an ideal world setting, and I'll just say this because I know Miss Laura and I have we come back a long way from, you know, from Ireland to Nigeria or, you know, Canada and all of that. So I know you have, you have experience in different settings. But in an ideal world setting, what should you have in a special needs class? What are the tools that you need to have? When money is not, when money is not a problem. <laughs> when money is not a problem. Yes. Okay. So um, in a special needs setting, you know, it's a, it, it, it's a wide thing because you can have children 
um, with, um, with speech impairment. You can have children with sensory needs. You can have children with, um, with, 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 um, with fine motor skills need. You can have children who, who will have a um, problem with their gross motor skills. So you now look at all the different categories where the children may be lacking in one thing or the other. So you get resources for children with, for, for their fine motor skills. With, without getting resources for fine motor skills, the child might not even want to write. So you can get things like the peg and the peg boards where they make patterns with that. You are making use of their, um, their pincer, their pincer grip. This is, you know, and they will be putting it there. Then you can make use of when you, you, you're working with them when it comes to their speech. I, did, I didn't think I even mentioned that. You get um, so many resources on speech. Um, maybe the, the straws, it's a, it, it, it's a different type of straw that they use. They can have um, the, the, the pops that they will blow, you know, just for them to make use of the muscles of their, um, around their mouth. So you can, um, for, their, um, for the gross motor skills, if a child is lacking in coordination and balancing, you get um, equipment to aid um, balancing as, as much as possible. There is a whole lot of resources. So when we're compiling it, we first look at the school, we look at the kind of needs that the children have, and we, we, we buy for them based on priority of um, of, of the school because you can't just buy so there's so many things to buy so we make sure that we touch the different categories okay let's buy something for 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 fine motor skill for gross for speech for sensory and for sensory you know like i said the child has to be first assessed you can't just use one particular material because this child and um, it worked for this child then you're going to use it for the other for the next child so some sometimes you buy um we, we buy weighted blanket for some children so it depends on the need of that child of that child before we buy the weighted blanket also for sensory you can um, we buy the sensory brush we buy the sensory brush in the sensory units too the coming light all, all those things those are some of the little things that you can buy to equip your classroom for the um, autistic units. So apart from the tools, you've mentioned all the equipment. Are there particular personnel that you need to be in a special needs um, unit, for example? Yes, you need um, the special needs teachers. You know, um, some of the time I hear that people, um, some in Nigeria particularly, we, they call them therapists. But where we are coming from is special needs teachers. So we need teachers who are knowledgeable about working with children with autism. And um, so we need them. And from time to time, they have to be trained because new things evolve and new ways of um, approaching the, the, the work to um, comes into play. Great, great. So I know that um, sometimes you have some children who are on the autism spectrum, but they're still in a, they can still go to a mainstream classroom. So what determines which child should be in a special needs classroom and which child shall go, should, can go into a mainstream classroom? And can a child sometimes even need both? Can't hear you. Oh, sorry. So I said, can you hear me now? Yes, it's just back Okay, so I said I'm wondering what determines which child goes into a special needs classroom versus a mainstream classroom. 
And are there children that need both? I've seen some children that they say, oh, yeah, they're mainstream, but they go into special needs for maybe a few hours a day. So what makes, what helps us to determine where each child belongs? Thank you. So when you're practicing inclusion, that means that the child and everything that the child will require. Apologies. I think um, Miss Laura's, um, Mrs. Laura's, Internet just looks like it's gone off. So I'm hoping that she comes back in a few minutes. <laughs> I'm just going to um, just play some music in the meantime, and hopefully she'll be able to join us back in a few minutes. I see her back again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you were talking about um special needs um versus mainstream. Okay, so um ideally all children should be in an inclusive setting where they are in the mainstream setting with all their necessary resources available for them in the mainstream mainstream setting. However, if you see that a child is um, disruptive in the classroom and it will hinder the flow of teaching and learning, that's why you have the special needs unit. So the child can have a one-on-one -on -one tutoring. The child can have yeah. um, access to the to, to this sensory unit as much as possible. But by the time you have worked with a child for a period of time and the child has settled in into a school setting, you need to now start bringing the child from time to time into the mainstream because at the end, the essence of the, the, the main, main thing is that we are working towards the child becoming as independent as possible. And it will be for us to work with them and make them to be able to um, work in an ideal setting. They are not going to be in a special needs setting all, you know, all the time. So we integrate them as much as possible into the mainstream setting. So if, even if it's just um, soft subjects like art, music, and so on that they can do with their peers, we should make sure that we bring them into the mainstream setting. So we advocate in High Horizon as much as possible for inclusive for an in inclusive setting. So because I um, the, the segregated um, classroom is not what we fo we focus on. Thank you. Great. So um. Just a few more questions before we wrap up. What, what is the role of parents in helping these children succeed in the school setting? The first thing is for parents to even recognize that their children have a need. Most of the time, what we face majorly in Nigeria is a high level of denial. Parents deny until, you know, until a later time when you now see that the gap is so widening, it's so obvious that their children are not achieving so much. So once school indicates and let the parents know that there's something, there's a gap, it will, be, it will be nice for parents to even ask for the child to be assessed. So the major thing we, we are crying out loud for in Nigeria will be parent to, to, um, to walk hand in hand with the school and to know that Assessing a child is not mean that it does not mean labeling, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the child will be helped early enough 
because early intervention is what we are advocating for from parents. Yes, and apart from that, um, we would like parents to also co cooperate with the teachers, to ask questions, and to practice whatever the child is, is carried out in school. Because children can behave in different settings. You'll be telling them that the child is super, is able to sit down in the school setting. And the parents say, oh, he's all over the place. And that's because you are not putting the same, you are not doing the same thing as the school is doing. So, and that's one of the things that the ABA will incorporate, that whatever we are doing in one setting, it has to be adopted in the other setting. And everyone has to play their own part. So that's what we encourage parents to do. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been so informative. So as we, as we wrap up, I want you to tell us a bit more about your services. What kind of things are, do you provide? And where can people find you if they need to contact you? Okay, thank you. So we are, first of all, thank you, Dr. Tulu. We are located in uh, at 24 ABU Brings and Amas, Galadimawa. And um, we focus on setting up special needs unit for schools so that all schools will become an inclusive setting. We, we do an educational evaluation so that little things like this can be picked on and before they even go for clinical assessments. Also, apart from that, we train teachers and we equip the school as much as possible to become an inclusive setting. We recruit teachers, special needs teachers for school, and then we train them. And the general overseeing of the special needs unit in the school is what we, um, we practice and we do. And do you go outside of, of Abuja? Do you go to other cities in Nigeria, or is it just Abuja? Oh, yes. We actually have a school we are setting up at Skuma here at the moment, and it's um, it's an inclusive setting too. We also have clients in Delta State. So we and from time to time, I've gone outside Abuja to Lagos. Some of the schools in Lagos, we have gone there to, for training and for setup. So yes, we move around. We are still in Nigeria. So but we still we move around in in Nigeria. Great. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. So as we wrap up, I've already put your contact details on the screen for anybody who wants to contact you. As we wrap up, is there any last words you have for parents or teachers out there who may be dealing with a child on the autism spectrum? Yeah. So for let me say for teachers, because I'm one, I'm number one, a teacher. If teachers are interested in, in working with children with autism, they can contact us. We'll, we have numerous um, trainings we can do to equip them. And um, for parents, we'll say uh, we want parents to be on board with the school. Nobody is going to label a child. Early intervention is very important. And the moment we, we start seeing the red flag, it's good enough for parents to cooperate and not be in denial so that these children can thrive in the society and they can, you know, they can grow and they, they, they will be able to optimize their own potential too in life. So those are, that's what I will want to, to say to our parents and our teachers. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. I mean, I like the things you highlighted, early intervention, early recognition, people working together, so parents and teachers communicating, everybody being on the same page, and all those things are ingredients to help 
the children that we know who are on the autism spectrum to thrive. Thank you very much. I'm so grateful that you've taken the time today. This has been very informative and hopefully we can bring you back again to discuss about other areas of special needs apart from autism spectrum disorder. Join me again next week as we continue to discuss pertinent issues affecting youth mental health and balancing this with our own emotional health. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Looking forward to having you join me on the next episode. Till then, don't forget to share this with your friends and neighbours and to follow me on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube where I am known as St. John Cap. That is St. John Cap with a double P. See you soon.